Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and as usual, I am joined by Matt Harmon on Sunday evening to help me recap five of the most interesting NFL games from the afternoon and preview now both of Monday night's matchups. Um, we had to do some digging, honestly, because five interesting games <laughs> from today's slate means we're going to loosely define interesting. Uh, Matt, it was a day of pretty ugly football. I'm going to ask you straight off the bat. This isn't in the outline. We're already going rogue like the rest of the slate went. Um, what was your most ugly game? Like the game that was the most like, oh, God, I don't want this to be real. Well. I guess we could – I actually don't even know if this is on the outline. No, it's not. But, I mean, this game was ugly because every game that the Pittsburgh Steelers play has the potential to be ugly. I mean, they just have the ability to drag you down into the mud with them, you know, like and because they can play that type of football. And, I mean, everybody that has any level of investment in the uh, Steelers – fantasy players is pissed coming out of this game despite the fact that the Steelers pull off what would be considered an upset win here uh at home you know Najee Harris I think has uh, you know 18 yards on 12 carries eight yards in the passing game um Deontay Johnson leads the team with 38 freaking yards Pat Fryermuth got a second concussion of his rookie year uh hopefully he's all right uh and Chase Claypool does nothing so like any level of investment you had in any Steelers player you're pissed about it but like you know, TJ Watt and the boys can just get after it. So, I mean, that was um, between two teams. And, like, the, the Steelers have the ability to do that to anybody. Uh, you know, as long as the defense can kind of keep things at bay, um, you know, the offense is, you know, going to do its thing. Uh, I think that was probably the ugliest of the games. Although, like, I guess the only thing that anyone cared about in Tennessee was Dante Foreman, and he did come through. The, the Pittsburgh rushing defense is still a problem. 100 yards on the ground, 135 total yards for Foreman. More clarity, too, for the Titans' backfield. 22 carries for the aforementioned Foreman, and he clears 100 rushing yards. Also worth noting, since we are touching on this matchup, uh, Julio Jones left early. That seems to oh, be a trend. Oh, what a shock. So keep an eye on that. It is a hamstring issue. I, just Ryan Tannehill's fantasy value is completely crushed because 
There are no pass catchers available. He hasn't, I, I don't think he's managed a YPA over six and a half or seven since like Oof. week 10 or 11. And I think it was AJ Brown that went out in week 11. So without these pass catchers, yep. he's just struggling. And the Titans are now absolutely, whether they want to be or not, committed to the running game and Foreman's getting the volume. So at least for fantasy purposes, you've got that to rely on. I think my ugliest game, maybe this is a little bit of an emotional bent on it, uh, was Jacksonville falling to the Texans 16 to 30. I mean, we all, including Vegas, were expecting this post-urban boost. And yeah, we didn't really get much of it. Trevor Lawrence was still sacked three times. He completed 22 of 38, didn't throw a single touchdown. I will say James O'Shaughnessy, man, he he was efficient. Never saw that coming. Yeah. Converted all four of his looks for 60 yards. But Otherwise, I mean, James Robinson did find the end zone, but 75 yards, 18 touches, not ideal. It wasn't the, um, well, we all imagined that he would clear 90 total yards. And this was kind of disappointing given the expectation that we had set on it. Now, yeah, like we got the feature back workload for uh, for James Robinson, Dari Ngungawale, uh, you know, the back of running back there. He touched the ball twice. Uh, James Robinson gets 88 total yards. So we got the feature back. That's the thing, though. You know, obviously the vibes are much, much better today than they were on Monday in Jacksonville. You know, like that they are. They're doing much better right now without Urban Meyer from a vibes perspective, but that roster still stinks. You know, that team is still in trouble. Uh, the passing game around Trevor Lawrence is still fundamentally broken. You don't just exercise a demon in, in one like week. It's going to take some time to get the Urban stink out of the whole thing. Uh, it's going to be till next year, I think, till we can really get jacked up about anything beyond James Robinson. Like that was the one thing from a fantasy perspective. It's like, okay, you know, no Urban. We can feel good about James. Robinson like getting the rock because you know Urban's the only weirdo on planet Earth who want who doesn't realize that James Robinson is like their best offensive player might be the best player in the whole damn roster uh, but beyond that it's like you're in the wilderness if you're looking for anything from Jacksonville one last note on injuries we have to mention and probably should do it at the top of the show Teddy Bridgewater exited Denver's contest early he was carted off of the field we don't have current information, so keep an eye. I mean, obviously, our prayers are with him. Uh, last we heard ahead of this recording was that he was able to move his extremities before loading onto the ambulance. So we'll be thinking about him. And and um, I, we're not going to talk about the Broncos and the Bengals because, as I said at the top, we we're looking for interesting games. And that one, um, well, that wasn't interesting. Did you think? Did you think, Matt? I mean, Drew Locke wasn't interesting. Jerry Judy not getting a catch, not particularly interesting. I mean, the, the Broncos. Tyler are... Boyd scoring is kind of interesting. No one saw that coming. Dalton and I were like, ah, what a not that guy. He's not worth anything. It's T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Well, it's like a long catch and run play for uh, Tyler Boyd, too, which is kind of how you have to make your living on uh, attacking this Broncos defense. They tried to establish the run. You know, Joe Mixon's another like we're talking about Zeke as a guy who you know is clearly not 100 percent, you know, banged up right now. Joe Mixon seems to leave every single game of late with an injury. He seems to be a guy who's kind of limping towards the end here. Uh, they try to establish run, which, again, is how you want to attack. Uh, this Broncos defense, you can't, they are not going to give you the deep ball, right? Like the Broncos are, are are coached by Vic Fangio, the godfather of this whole too high defense, which is, you know, running amok of the NFL passing games are out there right now. So uh, yeah, I, I thought this game to, to answer your question though, definitely not interesting. Definitely Both not. these teams are pretty right. boring. Even the Bengals are pretty boring too. Ah, I 
don't think the Bengals are boring. I think I think the Bengals are underrated because Joe Burrow like keeps his emotions yes. at bay and doesn't freak out. And so because we do like Joe Burrow. Yeah, we do. And there there isn't this like frenetic energy coming off of the Bengals. And I think that sometimes leaves them under the radar a little bit. But anyway, let's talk about um, a game that was played on Saturday, not even Sunday. The New England Patriots traveled to Indianapolis and the Colts squeaked out a win. It had nothing to do with Carson Wentz, by the way, who completed just five passes. In spite, they went in spite of Carson Wentz. I mean, Wentz was Wentzing so hard in this game. So many could be um, missed connections that could have turned into interceptions. Jonathan Taylor carries the ball 29 times for 170 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he is the reason the Colts won this game. And the defense, I will say, also stepped up. Yeah, for sure. The defense was flying around, playing extremely well. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like, the Patriots offense did nothing for long stretches of this game. And yet it was so, so clear that Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in this game by a long shot. Like you mentioned, he pleads five passes for 57 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um should have been a lot more, as you mentioned. There were some there were some drops by the Patriots defense. And yeah, shout out to Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, sometimes we're all watching a game and it's like, all right, enough of this already. That was the most like enough of this touchdown run by Jonathan Taylor I've ever seen, where he was just like, All right, I'm ending this here. We're going home. Like his his final touchdown. <laughs> uh, like that is enough. Like I'm not letting these guys hang around here anymore. We're getting out of here. We deserve to win this game. I mean, the Colts are you know, they're, they're, Michael Pittman gets tossed from this game, too, for, uh, you know, getting kind of he got basically baited into a fight with the Patriots defender. Hopefully he didn't play Michael Pittman. I mean, you still ranked as like a fringe wide receiver, too. But uh, so you might not have had a better option. But this was obviously a tough matchup anyways, although he did get loose for that. Like for like you mentioned in the first uh, drive of the game, gets loose for a long play. Wentz misses him. Super frustrating game from the Colts passing game. But uh, the Colts are a good team. You know, Carson Wentz is always going to leave you like, you know, you're never going to be like totally comfortable, but they're a pretty good team. So I'm on quarterbacks for Fearless Forecast this week, and I looked ahead trying to work ahead since we're on a holiday week next week. And you know what the schedule means for us when that happens. Um, and oh, it's, it's great, too, by the way, that we have uh, <laughs> like there will be four games that haven't been played before. I mean, I can't complain, Liz. I have tight ends this week. So I'm like, oh. all right. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's there's a few guys. It's like a I might need to talk about him. But anyways, who knows what we're going to do about that. But well, I'm sweating Wentz because um, the the Colts are traveling to Arizona and I'm sweating Kyler too because he clearly did not look right without uh, or felt a little bit off without Hopkins on the field. But, you know, this is a I feel like when you have Kyler Murray and Carson Wentz in a, in a matchup, like, I don't know, they could both pass for 300 yards or they could both pass for 150. It's going to be anyone's guess. Anything can happen. Uh, and yeah, a huge bummer. And I feel like a jackass. I told so many people to start Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, so but, did I. You know, without, Mea culpa. Without Damian, yeah, without Damian Harris. But like, you know, one of those things where very early in the game, you're like, this isn't going to go the way I thought. Uh, that was me with Stevenson. Like, I was like, I'm just like basically praying for him to rip off a long touchdown or something because the game script was just completely thrown to hell right away uh, when the Colts grabbed that early lead. Uh, so, yeah, tough, tough scene for uh, us Stevenson backers.
yes, I will say that last week I was on tight ends for Fearless Forecast and heavily recommended Hunter Henry, who scores two touchdowns in Saturday's game, bringing his total for the season to nine. The matchup was obviously prime for him, and all he does (laughs) is score touchdowns. Um, (laughs) New England will invite uh, Buffalo into Gillette Stadium next week. So I don't think at any point, especially week 16, you're going to fade Hunter Henry. So, you know. No, yeah. Another That's touchdown awesome. maker. Shall we move on? Is there anything else about this uh, matchup that you feel needs to be discussed? Nope. All right. Well, I talked about Kyler Murray and uh, facing off against Carson Wentz and the Colts next week. This week, the reason he's so confounding is because the Cardinals dropped probably the biggest upset of the season. This game, which had massive playoff implications to the Detroit Lions. My goodness. I think, by the way, Matt, like side note, internal behind the scenes note, I'm pretty sure Dalton in his crazy intense survivor pool was picking the Cardinals. Oh, you're right. This week. I, I, right. I slacked our producer, John, and texted our boss, Jason Klebach, and was like, oh, has anyone checked in on him? I don't want Not it. I don't want to be that person. No. Although Dalton has said many times, he's like, I'm just actually ready for this to be over because it's so stressful. <laughs> um, but I'm sure so. his wife is happy that it's not happening on Christmas, honestly. Uh, yeah, the, the kids will be allowed <laughs> to be in the house, which is good. <laughs> right. Good for good for Dalton's kids. Yeah, you're right. Though, huge upset. The Cardinals were 12 and a half point road favorites in this one. You know, I thought it was interesting this week that Cliff Kingsbury kind of went out of his way to point out I've never beaten Jared Goff uh, in the NFL. I'm like, I don't think you should admit that out loud. I, I feel like that's something you maybe want to keep to yourself. Uh, no one kudos really... for the transparency. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> that, that that helps. Uh, I certainly didn't know that. I wouldn't have come up with that at the, at the trivia night had he not mentioned it. Uh, I also off- wouldn't have started their defense against him if I had known that either. Uh, yeah, but so, and he stays on, he stays <laughs> uh, zero, an offer against Jared Goff in this one. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Biggest takeaway for me uh, with the Lions right now. I know they've got, you know, plenty going on, some things going right, et cetera, whatever. The biggest difference to me is that, you know, preseason, we're talking about can Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman form an interesting one-two punch for the Detroit Lions? It's like those, neither of those guys have made any impact for the team. Obviously, Perryman was cut uh, before week one, and then Tyrell Williams has been hurt forever. And then they run these, like, bottom-of-the-roster goofballs out there. Now, you know, it's not like Josh Reynolds is a high-end starter or anything, but he's a legitimate NFL talent, and Amon Ross St. Brown has been awesome since their bye week. He adds another 11 11 targets in here, and he makes a 37-yard touchdown catch. He's been the team leader in routes run, in targets, all since their bye week. They have changed his role from, like, the reason we're all jacked up about, you know, Liz, you know me. I don't normally get excited about these, like, bunny hop slot slot receivers receivers or anything like that. Um, There are some slot receivers I love, like the Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup mold. Those guys are totally different than, like, the Cole Beasley types. But we saw last year when John Brown went down, it's like, well, now they start playing Cole Beasley in two wide receiver sets. Cole Beasley becomes, like, an every-week fantasy starter. A guy like Hunter Renfro gets that treatment after Henry Ruggs is released. He's been an every-week starter in fantasy. Now Amon Ross St. Brown, since the Alliance buy, has become that guy. Uh, He was a player I've been recommending the last few weeks, I think he is a guy that you want to start every single week. That's the biggest 
trans like transformation here for the Lions. Even as their backfield turns over and Mr. Reynolds is a is a hundred yard rusher here, their well, that, passing game is now. Let's clarify that because you talked about Josh Reynolds. If people are listening and are a little bit confused, Craig, Craig Reynolds, Reynolds right. is also the running back running in the stead of both DeAndre Swift, who I have to imagine will be shut down for the season, and Jamal okay. Williams, who has yet to come off of the COVID list. Right, correct. So um, he has been the guy. I'll, I'll mention this later when we talk about Duke Johnson too, but there's kind of a takeaway I think here that we need to think going forward, but uh, with these backfields and stuff like that. But anyways, point point here is that like the lions have now a legitimate wide receiver room, whereas they have not had that. That's been like the weakest point of any roster in the entire NFL for most, uh, you know, even dating back to the summer. I think that's huge for, um, you know, their potential to kind of hang in these games, even though obviously this was a super unpredictable outcome. They also weren't able to find it until TJ Hawkinson was compromised physically, yeah, not just true. by defenses, right? So you took one away and then were able to change um, Brown's, Brown's role. Yeah. And sometimes, like, it's addition by subtraction in some way. I, I really like St. Brown. I was higher on him earlier in the season and thought he'd really do well in that game against the Rams when he came back to L.A. since he's a USC product. But you're right. Um, it, they are using him more differently, and that seems to be giving him more opportunities. Um, on the Arizona side of things, just kind of kind of a mess. Like I, I feel like Kyler Murray yeah. was mentioned in the broadcast just a little bit off. Nothing seemed in sync. Everything seemed much more difficult. I, I feel like everything looked much more difficult than it needed to be, and then Kyler was clearly in his head because he was acknowledging and understanding that this shouldn't be as hard as it was. This was clearly a bit of a trap game, a look-ahead game, whatever you want to call it. But he only completes 23 of 41 for 257, one passing touchdown, one interception. I think, though, the most stunning thing was that Murray was held to just three rushing yards on a season-low four carries. Right, uh, after some decent rushing production uh, of late. And I think this definitely was like a, a trap game, a look-ahead game, or or like a, a letdown spot for the Cardinals. They come off this, you know, big-time loss against the L.A. Rams. They've basically, you know, been riding with the best record in the NFL, like seem like they're going to surprisingly moonwalk to uh, a number one finish uh, in the NFC West. And that's all been kind of put in jeopardy. Now, like you said, their next matchup against is against the Colts who are a competitive AFC team. Then they have the Cowboys and the Seahawks to finish the season does kind of feel like the, uh, the letdown of losing Deandre Hopkins, the letdown of losing that game. Like it, it was something I think that was probably weighing Last on the week, team. You mean yeah, exactly. Yes. Him. I will say for fantasy purposes, you're going to love yourself some Zach Ertz next week. He is second in team targets with 11, obviously making up some of that volume that Nuke wasn't able to provide. Um, and the Colts, we just talked about Hunter Henry scoring twice against them on Saturday, giving up the third most fantasy points to opposing tight ends. Yeah. Did you think it was weird that that James Conner played in this game? I thought there was like no way he was going to play. And then it like shows up. He's expected to, you know, expected to play late in the week. I thought that was weird. I don't know if it had anything to do with like the, the outcome of the game. I mean, Connor, Connor's a grinder. He's been awesome all year. Um, he's played through injuries in the past, but you know, it, it's basically to me made both of these backs highly questionable. Well, as someone who flexed Chase Edmonds for seventeen dollars in our daily game, yeah, I was surprised, Matt. I, well, I listen, Liz. <laughs> uh, I, I know I you crushed I, this week. You won. I know, but if challenge. I can, if I can still, if I can still complain. <laughs> <laughs> I got off. I wanted to get off Chase Edmonds, and a part of it was all right. I got to get off Chase Edmonds. I'll upgrade there. I'll downgrade to Zach Ertz from Mark Andrews. 
and I got Cordero Patterson in ahead of Chase Edmonds, who you know did absolutely nothing. So, I mean, the the rich complain of their of their problems here, but nevertheless, I was worried about a setback or Connor just being just like active for emergency purposes, and this being a bit of a blowout and us not needing him. Anyway, um, so we mentioned the NFC playoff picture and how the Cardinals. You know, they're still very much in the hunt, but it's a little bit more precarious also because the Packers beat the Ravens, the Tyler Huntley-led Ravens, by the way, by a single point. But now, Whew. you know, obviously the Packers are in prime position in the NFC. I don't really know what there is to say about Aaron Rodgers other than he passed for, you know, 260-plus yards and three touchdowns. And Devontae Adams gets a touchdown, MVS gets a touchdown, Aaron Jones gets a touchdown, A.J. Dillon gets a touchdown, Alan Lazard should have had a touchdown. Well, you're starting any pass catchers or skill position players attached to Aaron Rodgers. Right. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scanlon comes with that huge game. Felt pretty good about that. But the backfield is like you're you are definitely working with a razor thin margin for error in the backfield. Like you're probably going to default to playing these guys because um, like, oh, man, I'm just banking on a touchdown. But is this Aaron Rodgers offense like and it's playing at the height of its powers right now? Yeah, you, yeah. you feel pretty good about banking on a touchdown there. But, you know, 13 carries uh, for Aaron Jones, two catches for him, seven carries in the money area for uh, A.J. Dillon, who scores the touchdown, but just one catch for him. I mean, this backfield's hilarious because, like, last week, you know, A.J. Dillon gets all the crucial usage. Aaron Jones scores the touchdown. Then, like, Aaron, you know, A.J. Dillon scores the touchdown this week. It's just going to be one of those, like, weird ones for fantasy that's pr- you kind of have to just throw your hands up and, and you probably start these guys if you have them. And you're definitely starting them next week because even though they face the Browns, who knows what state the Browns will be in on a oh, short God. week because they play on Christmas. The Brown, I mean, yeah. the Browns have a really quick turnaround then. Merry Christmas to us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. But let's talk about Baltimore because, you know, if we're looking for holiday time miracles. Tyler Huntley looked like he had himself one. He showed his speed. He showed his mobility. Uh, completed 28 of 40 attempts for 215 passing yards, two passing scores, 73 rushing yards plus two rushing scores. That's four touchdowns for Huntley today. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons I was still really, really wanted to play Mark Andrews at tight end in Daily Fantasy, like, I didn't get off of Mark Andrews because I didn't want to to play him with Tyler Huntley out there. It was just I wanted to get off of Chase Edmonds, and that's where you, you sacrifice a little bit point, there. And the price point, right, he was yeah, super expensive. It was, it was all that kind of situation. I, I felt pretty good about Zach Ertz or whatever, and it turned out fine. But, like, you know, I think Tyler Huntley can kind of play. I mean, he's not like one of these these guys are going to come in there and just crush the offense, right? Like there are some backups coming there. They can't move the ball. I think Tyler Huntley does a pretty good job of taking what the defense gives him, but also has some juice to him too. Um, You know, Troy Aikman made the point uh, is like, is Green Bay going to play contain at any point during this damn game? Like Trey, I like Trey Aikman, by the way, I know like analytics, Twitter hates him, but I also think analytics Twitter needs to, pipe down sometimes uh all of twitter needs to pipe down sometimes but that's another discussion uh you know it's like t- tyler huntley Drakeman's right like he just kept they kept giving him the edge they kept coming up the middle he just was able to peel out there and then also you know they're leaving that middle of the field vacated 
just curl route, curl route, curl route, curl route to Mark Andrews over and over again. And then some big plays up the seam. There's some, like I said, there's some juice to him, but also just kept taking what uh, the defense gave him. It's like a complete, you know, Mark Andrews was the constant, but also just kept trying to hit uh, Marquise Brown too at 14 targets, caught 10 balls. Rashad Bateman was really nowhere to be found, despite Sammy Watkins being placed on the COVID list. Despite, ba- you know, Bateman, I had folks tweeting at me last week. It's like, see, Lamar won't throw to Bateman, but Tyler Huntley will, and then doesn't do it in this game. So uh, I think it Again, that just shows you Huntley's going to take what the defense gives him, but bring that a little extra edge as well. I think that's fantastic analysis. You saw last week, too, that Huntley continued to rely on Mark Andrews as well. His fantasy stock was not affected at all after Lamar exited early last week, so he remains a solid play. As someone who started Kyler Murray and Mark Andrews in the same league in the first week of the playoffs, uh, I I was very happy to see Huntley supporting him. And you mentioned the volume for Marquise Brown. Both Andrews and Brown caught 10 balls. Brown led the receiving core with 14 looks. Andrews with 13. Obviously, one was more productive than the other, but still, you like to see the just volume there. Just just a little bit. And next week, the Ravens, it'll be interesting to see what Harbaugh does. I mean, also, can we just let everybody's like, oh, he's so aggressive. I mean, I don't mind it. Like, I, I understand that. Maybe it cost him a game and it's a one point differential that we ended up with. But I don't know. Anthony Lynn gets killed all the time for never going for two. And did you hate it? Did you hate the call? The problem is, like, it, obviously it's all based on the results and the whole right. discussion around it has completely jumped the shark and it's, like, stupid to have. Like, Let's Brandon Staley did the same thing on Thursday, but and he's younger and has to- it. Yeah. Yeah, people are kind of ready to crush him, though, too. For Like I said, it's when it works, it, you're great. When it doesn't, then it's like... And, you know, listen, the reality here of this whole debate, too, is that it's like a political discussion. Everybody just wants to come in there with their own agenda and, like, at the right moment, be like, oh, see, you know, <laughs> boom, there, yeah, aha, like, see, Brandon Staley, a failure. Uh, but, like, you know, when he's, do- when he's crushing the Giants and getting every single fourth down call, it's like nobody cares about it because it's a, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern time game and it's the freaking Giants. Nobody cares. Uh, but then, like, uh, actually, I don't even know if it was a 1 p.m. Eastern time, but you catch my drift. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's all results-based. It's all, like, the spotlight of it, whatever. Um, I, I will say the only the problem I have with the Ravens going for two in that situation, and, and I, not that I have a problem with them going for it and being aggressive, but it's just the play calls of it. And, like, I don't really trust their offense right now to get, like, like to get the buck like that. That's that's my biggest issue. Not just because uh, Tyler Huntley's back there, but like Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, not on this play, but a different play, run into each other in the in the end zone. If I see, if I got to watch another year of Greg Roman's passing game and these guys running in the same damn area of the field, I, I feel like we're at a point where I kind of want the Ravens to lose and not make the playoffs just so they make a change at offensive coordinator. I think Greg Roman's done great stuff to like get Lamar going early in his career but that passing game is just it sucks it sucks to watch I think there's there's so much more juice they could get out of it and this is the same story with Greg Roman that we've always seen so I just would like to see a little something different that's kind of and you know it's like basically I don't like when they roll the quarterback out pretty similar to what they did with the last Mark Andrews failed two-point conversion attempt don't cut the field in half when you've got the two-point try there. I don't know. That's my that's my problem with it. So not it's not that you don't mind call. him being aggressive. It's that you don't like the play call attached to the aggressivity Correct. in the Correct. moment. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that Correct. I think that's fair. I think that – see, you were specific in that analysis, but saying, oh, he's just too aggressive. 
bothers me. I also feel like when you have the momentum and you have a backup who clearly the defense is struggling to contain. Struggling to figure out. Right. Then like, <laughs> go for it. Why not? Show your stones. Anyway, next week, they're at Cincinnati um, for the second time this season. So it's a division game. There are obvious playoff implications. It'll be interesting to see. I'm going to imagine Lamar is going to start if he was a game time call for this week. But I don't know. Um, let's move along to Dallas, um, at the Giants. This was a stinker. The spread on this was 11 and a half and, uh, Dallas was able to (laughs) cover indeed, but Dak still looked shaky. In fact, um, Ian Hartsitz on Twitter tweeted out averages before and after that midseason calf injury that you mentioned on FFL actually, which was in week seven and, His PFF passing grades have dipped significantly. His total touchdowns have gone down. His interceptions have gone up. His YPA has dipped from 8.4 to 6.5. So there's obviously something going on. And also Tyron Smith wasn't in the lineup. And we know what a difference maker his left tackle is when on the field for Dak. Yeah, 28 of 37 for Dak Prescott, 5.9 yards per attempt in this game. And I think the biggest thing that I've heard like listening to you know former quarterback smart people that, that cover quarterbacks talk about like when these guys are injured even if like okay we think you know Dak is playing with the calf injury like he's not going to be as athletic or whatever it's not really about that it's the same thing with like oh Baker Mayfield's had this shoulder injury all season long it's not on his throwing shoulder oh that shouldn't bother him but it's like when you know you're banged up like that you think about it all the time like you think like when you drop back you're like oh like in this, it hitches or whatever, then, then it's like part of your mental process. You're just not playing at the height of your powers basically. And and I think that makes a lot of sense, even if it's not in the way that we would think that a calf injury would hold you back. But yeah, I mean, Dallas right now is a defensive oriented team. I think that's where they're at. Zeke in the backfield is, uh, you know, he leads the team in touches by four. There were some headlines like Corey Clement might figure into the rotation that did not happen, but uh, Tony Pollard was back, had seven yards per carry. Like, this is the best case scenario for Zeke at this point. It's like 50 yards and he gets in the end zone. Boom. You're feeling pretty good about that. That's but part of the frustration with Zeke and Pollard, if Pollard's going to continue to play with the foot issue, is that we know that Pollard is the more explosive option, but we also know that Elliot has the goal line equity. And so you can't rank him outside of your top 15 every single week. Because yeah, who else exactly. is scoring touchdowns regularly? No, I mean, yeah, you can't really change uh, the rankings too much. I think, like, there, there just is what it is at that point. You just know that Zeke is you know, depending on your options of probably a guy you can just try to risk that touchdown on. And this was, this was like as clean of a week, I think, as it's going to get. It's like, oh, they're heavy favorites against a crappy team in New York. You know, the next few weeks they get Washington, then they get Arizona, then they get the Eagles. Um, You know, there's some, we'll see what state Washington is uh, when the, by the, they're they're getting some defensive linemen off the COVID list uh, heading into, you know, (laughs) their Tuesday. Tuesday game. But uh, we'll see, you know, for next week, whatever, how that looks. Uh, Arizona's been leaky as a run defense, but, you know, we'll see about that. And then, and then the Eagles, obviously, we'll see what they're even playing for in week 18. Like Dallas feels like a team that they got a problem. Like, I think I think if the Eagles in Washington tie, which is not going to happen, but like if they most likely. Who knows at this Who point? But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we never say never. But uh, there's they, if they tie this week, Dallas wins the NFC East, and then obviously I think if they, you know, depending on next week, they can wrap up the NFC East. Like they feel like a team that needs to wrap this thing up as soon as possible and rest some starters players, in Week yeah. 17 and Week 18. I do think something interesting. I mean, the Giants 
there's a whole lot of nothing that you want to sift through. But you asked me two weeks ago if I was ever going to rank Saquon Barkley inside my top 15. And I thought that he was, if we're talking about Zeke always being the RB15, maybe he's like the line, right? Um, Barkley, I feel like was every week my RB18, like just outside of my top 15, but right inside of my top 20. Couldn't really like move him beyond that. This week, not much in terms of rushing efficiency, 15 carries, 50 yards, but through the air, he, he converts half of his looks four of eight for 24, but he has a gorgeous one-handed grab. So we see that that the flash is still there. The ability is still there. Although then you also see Devonta Booker working in and by the way, being more explosive. In fact, the broadcasting crew mistook a Booker ripped off like a long, like a 30 yard run or something. Yeah. I did too. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Same, same thing. Like I was saw the game was on mute and I was like, Oh, Oh no, that's 28, not 26. Right. Um, yeah. Booker has been factoring in the last few weeks, which makes this whole Barkley thing even more problematic and get Jake Fromm gets in this game. Give me a break. And also Sterling Shepard apparently probably tore his Achilles. Oh, Oh, and he had such an awesome camp and such a solid start to the season. I know. I know. Part of me wants to be like, listen, Sterling Shepard, everybody's always hurt in New York. Sterling Shepard just needs to get out of New York, but God, I just feel bad for the guy. Kenny Galladay uh, is second in team targets with seven, can only convert three of those. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I got some Kenny Galladay questions, though, because people were, like, hurting. It's these, these like, mandatory start three wide receiver leagues are really, really tough yeah. this time of year. And, oh, man, I would recommend people. I don't like playing in the start three wide receiver leagues either because – well, especially when you're a bozo like me, I, this is one of my biggest. I have like two teams in highly like competitive leagues that start a, sh- a ton of wide receivers, and in both of those leagues, I wanted none of Kenny Galladay this year. I was like not interested in Kenny Galladay, but then like you know he falls to a point in these drafts. It's like ah uh, well you know he's gonna get targets. He's gonna be, I hate myself. He's and they're gonna be high value teams. targets. Yeah, and he's on both. He's on both of those teams, and it's just. Oh. They, and spoiler alert: they both suck. <laughs> um. All right. So do the Falcons. The Falcons really suck, and the Forty Nine ers Falcons also suck. <laughs> the Falcons also suck. The Forty Nine ers showed us once again that the Falcons suck. Thirty-one to thirteen. Cordero Patterson, who you mentioned, trying to get into your, and I understand why your DFS well, lineup. Thirteen touches I for don't. twenty-three yards. Kyle Pitts, like it has been underwhelming on balance of the season for Pitts. You know, obviously the exit of Ridley has kind of affected him. We talked about it last week, but he did have a couple of impressive plays. He finishes with 77 yards, so you can't be too upset about it. And mother bleeping Russell Gage, every time I try to play this Gage thing, I end up with the donut. Like, I I have washed my hands of it. I don't want to do it. Uh, No, thank you. Goes off for 91 and a touch in this one. Gage is like kind of the poor man's uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. Like he's a, should be a guy who plays in the slot, but he's playing in two wide sets because of all the injuries there. Um, and obviously Calvin Ridley's absence. You know, yeah, Kyle Pitts, the thing is like from – we all think like, oh, man, he's in this terrible season. He just doesn't score touchdowns, which like, oh, wow, the Falcons like not getting their primo weapon in the – and I know it's a different coach's have, but like not getting him in the end zone. Uh, but like in terms of, you know, he's like <laughs> top five. That's in, a very good point, Matt. I am like – I right. put that together. Well done. 
in terms of like, you know, targets and yards and catches, like he's up top five, top four among tight ends. Just he hasn't scored a touchdown since his first one. Uh, at some point, he's going to have that explosive game. But um, obviously, you know, 77 yards, it's like it's fine. But that yeah, rookie wall things. is probably factoring in for him, too. Right. Like that. Rookie well, season and he's just is so, so long. easy to take away. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the, I think it's the two things collided. Like it's it's the. It's the fact that he potentially hits this rookie wall, whatever. He's also playing a team, you know, position that we all think he's a unicorn and all that, but it's still a tough position to transition into. Plus, like, he's just so easy to take away because he is, uh, you know, mostly playing out wide. That's much hard, much harder to, like, double cover a tight end or whatever, a shade of safety to a traditional inline tight end or even a slot receiver than it is a guy they've used out wide. So um, I, I think that Arthur Smith has done a lot of good things for the Falcons offense. Um, they just are so bad personnel wise. And that was one thing is like, I could talk myself into, and I don't know, again, tinkering on Sunday morning. I don't know why I somehow got myself onto Cordero Patterson. I, I don't think I've played Cordero Patterson exactly zero times in daily fantasy this year, except this week. I got myself onto CPAT. You know, I, I don't know where that came from because part of me was like, man, coming into this game, Nick Bosa could just take Matt Ryan to the woodshed. Nick Bosa has been awesome this year in that offensive line. Atlanta stinks. I mean, if you talk about Sunday morning tinkering, uh, I'm going to complain again because I mentioned trying to get Chase Edmonds into the lineup, convincing myself that James Conner would suffer some sort of setback or looking at the matchup. I replaced Jeff Wilson, who was also uh, the same yeah. price, $17 for Chase Edmonds. Oh God, 21 carries, 110 yards, and one touchdown. I really just worried about Debo, who, by the way, did carry the ball six times for 29 yards and also find the end zone without Eli Mitchell available. I looked at the matchup and thought, oh, Jeff Wilson should be able to do this, but he just had been such a disappointment. Talked myself out of it. I hope our redrafters, though, I did recommend him a whole bunch. I hope it worked out for you, even if you didn't mess with him in DFS. If you used him and you'd been waiting on him and it finally worked out for you, congratulations, because I don't think he's going to do this next week when Eli Mitchell is hopefully back. Yeah, and I think it will be interesting to see um, Debo's usage when Eli Mitchell gets back. Because the thing with Debo, like he gets five targets in this game, uh, just one fewer than George Kittle, three more than Brandon Ayuk, who had two. Ayuk has this one like awesome 36-yard catch and run and then one pass interference play. Uh, down the field and he's never heard from again but that's the thing about this that why I was like listen Debo the the passing game usage is concerning right because guy had had three games with just one catch but like and this is kind of I don't want to get it my you know my morals and my religion tells me not to get into dual eligibility debates but don't do it then. Don't even don't even but I'm but 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 Liz uh you know like from a lineup standpoint Debo is maybe taking nine to 10 snaps a game out of the backfield. He's still mostly lining up as a wide receiver, like 30 plus snaps per game at wide receiver during this whole weird stretch with one catch. It's like, yeah, he's just been getting the ball in the most important area, like in the red zone, they've been giving him and designing him these great plays. And Kyle Shanahan has been crushing it, designing those plays for him. So the takeaway there is just like, you know, this passing this volume the volume here for these guys like the passing uh pecking order it can flip at any moment between these three guys we've seen that when they're all three out there and healthy Debo is healthy right now and that's just where we're at I think on a short week though for week 16 especially since they play the Titans on Thursday night 
beat the Titans through the air. So even if Eli Mitchell is back, you have to imagine that Debo, let's say he does only get five to eight targets, right? Like he should probably convert on those. I I would imagine off the top of my head, quick fearless forecast, like six catches for 74 and a touchdown for Debo is completely within reason. Definitely. And I think this game, even though it wasn't a huge receiving game, um, you know, four for five, uh, 60 yards was very encouraging for that reason. Just to like, by the way, the 49ers did not have to do much to beat the this stupid uh, Falcons team. Like uh, six targets for George Kittle is not very many like that. You know, it's just this was a situation where they could just kind of, um, you know, ride the ground game, uh, ride the defense. Obviously, Debo is a part of that ground game. But again, just seeing him pop back up for five targets was huge. Catching more than one ball was huge. And that's kind of to the point here, which is like this passing game is very malleable. We shouldn't be surprised when it flips around. Maybe we aren't going to be surprised by the 49ers, but we were certainly surprised by Duke Johnson. Let's talk about this. (laughs) Notable performance for one Duke Johnson, 22 (laughs) flipping. Duke Johnson carried the ball 22 times. Is that, that's got to be a career high, by the way, like a full career high. I don't imagine him ever carrying the ball that many times for 107 yards and two knife twisting touchdowns. He said after the game that he thinks, and I actually didn't fact check him on this, but I'll take him at his word that he thinks that's his only 100 yard game of his career. I believe it. It's absolutely hilarious that people, weirdos on the internet, and I know we've talked about this before, goofballs out there have been, free Duke Johnson, just give Duke Johnson the workload that he deserves. And the one time nobody's asking for it is when we finally get the full Duke Johnson experience. That is one of the most hilarious things I can possibly imagine in fantasy football. on FFL this morning. Miles Gaskin or Gaskins, if you're tank, like Miles Gaskin, listen, Sylvan Ahmed is back. We're not worried about him. Miles Gaskin is back. Philip Lindsay's on the COVID list. Malcolm Brown's still on IR. The quad's still an issue. Nobody even said Duke Johnson's name. Yeah. He wasn't yep. even part of the conversation. And and this is actually where I get into, you know, potentially actionable takeaway in this very hilarious thing. Um, I mentioned this with Craig Reynolds up at the top. Last week, Dan Campbell uh, said... You know, despite the fact that guys like uh, Mr. Godwin, uh, whatever Godwin, whatever his name is, Jamar uh, Jefferson, those guys got back and activated. It was Craig Reynolds who ended up getting all the work after those guys came back from either the flu or COVID or whatever was going on in Detroit last week. Dan Campbell said, well, Craig Reynolds was at practice. Like, that's why he was the the RB1. And I wonder with Duke Johnson, maybe potentially the same thing. I mean, we know they don't love Miles Gaskin. We know they don't love their backs back there. It's like, well, Duke Johnson... Hasn't he's been on the, the coat. He's the one who hasn't. Too. Yeah, he has. He hasn't been. Yeah, he has the fresh legs, and he these all the, these other guys have been missing time with the with COVID, like with being on the COVID list. So you know, it, it did. I mean, it, it was definitely like, well, Miles Gaskin's back. Like he's just going to walk right into the starting job. Maybe we start to factor that into our decision making here, with especially so many guys coming off this list, like or coming off and on. Like, like look, if 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 a hypothetical scenario were like, you know friggin nick chubb goes on the covid list he's gonna come back he's gonna be nick chubb but like if the guy is a replacement level player like jamar jefferson or godwin whatever his name is and um <laughs> you know uh miles gaskin even if like fantasy you know folks know who miles gaskin is like miles gaskin's a jag like these guys that might be replacement level players could end up being like put to the side in favor of guys who've been at practice all week. I don't it know, is a little bit different. It is something to think about. And I think you're right. And I think the fresh legs and the who is available when 
you know, who is available from Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to, to participate, right? But also for a team that has like playoff hopes still alive, not the Lions, like the Lions top two guys were also yeah. out. So it makes sense that Craig Reynolds yeah. like, all right, throw, let's throw a dart. Like he was in practice. But like Miles Gaskin was also the starter last year. There's a lot of familiarity and the Dolphins are still trying to like, win this playoff race a little bit they're still in the hunt oh, here. Yeah. So it, it is a little like i don't know maybe we should expect it from coach flow who has the two ocs right like to just go a little bit off script with a total left turn here i i don't i i do think it's interesting for a team that had such high stakes to make such a weird choice it was very weird um and then you look at but the rest of the dolphin schedule like you know they get the saints next week they get the titans then they get the patriots like I, I'm not counting on a, a sequel to this Duke Johnson feel-good story. Oh, no, 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 please. Um, although, you know what? I bet Andy, in fact, I know Andy Barons is going to have to talk about him in pickups, and I can't wait to see what Scott Pianowski says uh, in reply. Devontae Parker, just in this matchup, worth noting, eight targets. That's his average of targets on the season when he's healthy. No Jalen Waddle obviously helped him found the end zone. Congratulations. Great. Do you want to talk Cam Newton? Do we have to talk about no, Cam Newton? No, no, no. All right, let's pass it. Devin Singletary, let's talk about Buffalo have, a little bit. Do we have bit. to talk about the Singletary thing? Well, I just want to talk about it because Dalton uh, called it out as a potentiality, and so I want to give Dalton props really? for oh, singling out. out Singletary, who did manage over 90 total yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I'll just believe that that's sustainable when I see it, basically, with any of these Bills backs. How do you feel about Gabe Davis, though, with Emmanuel Sanders oh, out? Yeah. He's a player that you and I have both talked a lot about. He manages 85 yards, two touchdowns. We said uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, it could be years ago at this point, my mind has turned to complete mush and time is a construct I know no longer can follow. But Gabe Davis, red zone presence. The Bills need yep. him to be good. They need a Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis type presence in the red area in order to excel. And in fact, he showed up this week. No Emmanuel Sanders to kind of cloud up the choices for Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, I've said about Gabe Davis for a while now that like I think they were right to hedge their bets on Gabe Davis because he was not a refined player as a rookie they bring in you know the craftiest of the crafty veterans in Emmanuel Sanders but like they've been using Manny Sanders as their deep threat you know he's had the highest eight on on the team for most of the season it's like no surprise that's run out of gas at this point like that car is running on fumes there for a while there now you know I think Sanders injury forced their hand but I think this should probably be the way it goes going forward because like D Gabe Davis He's not a perfect player, but he can burn and he can win uh, in tight spaces. That was exactly what happened on his one touchdown. Josh Allen rifles that thing downfield in uh, in Gabe Davis catches it, and obviously he scores twice in this game. Uh, Gabe Davis should be on 100% uh, of rosters that are still competing right now, um, and he's a guy that you're going to consider uh, every single week. He was a red zone weapon and contested catch artist in college, and that's how he started, by the way, the top of 2020 as well yeah. um and then you're right addition by subtraction once again um you mentioned cars driving a car well brandon cooks his touchdown celebration was pantomiming driving a car it was quite good he, he really committed to it sat down on the ground created the steering wheel the whole thing and why not when you clear seven of ten for over 100 yards and find the end zone twice with davis mills throwing you the ball i feel pretty good from from too I had no idea where you were going with that, but I like where we landed. Yeah, um, long Brandon day. Cooks is good. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is good, and Davis Mills might not be totally terrible either. 
the Raiders and the Browns uh, are, are in terrible situations, so much so that, as we mentioned, the league has delayed the game, postponed the game. So who are we actually thinking will play for Cleveland? Like, is Baker Mayfield going to be the quarterback? Is Case Keenum going to be the quarterback? Baker Mayfield could could play. He posted on Instagram, which I did not see on Instagram because you don't, don't hate myself Baker that Mayfield much. Mayfield on but... Instagram. <laughs> um, and if I did, I'm not watching his story. I don't watch anybody's story. It's like when I'm on Instagram, I like watch the first two ones. I'm like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> that's I'll get Fair. out of here now. Yep. Oh, I did see though somebody tweeted Baker Mayfield's Instagram story saying he's been blessed to have no symptoms and feel very healthy. Uh, and he's just praying that he tests negative for COVID, you know, in time to play tomorrow. So we'll see. He could end up being the quarterback. If not, though, if it does have to be the Nick Mullins show, I brought this up to Minty on our uh, Yahoo Sportsbook Live show. Do you remember Nick Mullins' first start back in 2018? I'm sure you don't remember this because only a sick freak like me would remember this because I remember like, oh, I got to stream the Oakland Raiders defense against this goofball quarterback for the 49ers. And he dropped 260 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions. Did Nick Mullins in his first career start on the Oakland Raiders. Um, probably doesn't mean anything for this game, but just think it's funny. I do like Donovan Peoples-Jones in this matchup as well. I mentioned that on last week's pod. Um, I, it's going to be a messy game. I think most people watching, if you're not invested in fantasy, it's going to be like the... Um, car accident at the side of the road that you have to rubberneck while you're passing because yep. we Gotta have a sick fascination it. with chaos, you know? Got to look at it. And I mean, the, the this game matters for the Browns in the, in the playoff run. And I mean, theoretically for the Raiders too, but yeah. We do know Kareem Hunt will be out. That we can tell you yes. for sure because it is an injury and not a COVID-related situation. The Vikings are at the Bears. Although he More is, COVID. I think he is on the COVID list too. <laughs> I think Cremon is both. He is on the COVID list, but that's not why he's going to miss. He's yeah, going to miss correct. because of a, an ankle injury. The Vikings are Double traveling dipping. to Soldier Field. The Bears have some COVID issues as well. No Allen Robinson. Their game's not getting pushed because let's just get it over with. But their coordinators, <laughs> all three of them got hit. It's a little concerning that Bill Lazor will be sidelined, but Matt Nagy will be available to hold the clipboard. <laughs> great didn't you say this morning it's like the one coach that nobody yeah. wants to be there is the one that is going to be there uh yeah because he already there. got it he got the antibodies a couple weeks ago shout out to you matt Nagy. um yeah i mean it's like I i'm not interested in playing any of these bears that's for sure uh the one big thing on the Vikings side is uh kj osborne you know people might have been counting on him but like it is a little weird that adam thielen hasn't been ruled out yet yeah uh, he might not play we just don't know um, but if KJ Osborne is uh, the number two receiver, the opportunity is fantastic against a, a bear secondary that can be beaten. Uh, obviously, of course, of course, we love uh, Justin Jefferson in this matchup. But KJ Osborne is a guy who has a pretty high ceiling for like daily fantasy and stuff like that. We also like Justin Fields from a fantasy perspective in this matchup as well. Yeah, you, sure. Oh, you don't you're not you're not as um, into the stream on fields here. I'm interested to hear. I that. mean, I. I'm in. I'm in on it. I, I'm in on it because the Vikings defense stinks. It's just, it's, it's, I just don't want to watch it. But I'm gonna because um, that's disgusting. our job. Well, I, that too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam Thielen, just to put an, a button on it, um, because I'm sure people are holding on to that nug in particular. He is questionable with the ankle injury and it is expected he'll be a game time decision. So that is why during FFL, we all encouraged everyone to start the players you had at your immediate avail and not wait for anybody. Um, Matt, I think that that's going to do it for us. 
Do you have any other, any things percolating in that brain of yours? Nope. Good luck to you if you've got to count on any of these COVID players and hopefully if you made some alternatives uh, if you decided to wait on these guys. That's just like the big thing at this point. And don't forget that Yahoo Daily Fantasy will be hosting a 12 Days of Winning celebration with special holiday contests and offerings leading up to Christmas weekend as a gift to our users. Check out our lobby starting today and join in on all of that holiday fun. If you want to keep the conversation going on Twitter, make sure to follow me at LizLoza underscore FF. You can follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're at it, go ahead and just double check that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. It'll mean the world. I'm telling you the world to Trevor Lewis, who runs that handle. Make sure you come back tomorrow to this podcast for the very special pickups pod featuring Andy Barron, Scott Pianowski, and Duke Johnson. It's going to give you a preview of uh, the games that moved to Tuesday as well on that show. So until then... 